With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Excited to get into some CUSA football news and notes, specifically related to the Rice Owls. And we have a special guest to help us do that. Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you as always. But Matt Bartlett from AtTheRoost.com is joining us today. Uh, If you want to follow their Twitter, it's just at at the roost uh that's of course the at symbol followed by the word at the roost um but matt really a pleasure having you on today how you doing yeah absolutely glad to be joining you guys awesome awesome i know it's uh coming off of a weird year with uh everything that went into rice football going two and three uh eric one of the weirder seasons that you and I have covered for sure. And uh, with rice specifically, I know there's some uh, interesting nuances that we'll get into here. Yeah, no doubt about it. Emphasis on the weird, definitely for all conference USA teams, but especially the owls. And we know, saw the way that they open up the year with the quadruple doink. So I think that is just a, a nice oh, way man, to kind of I'd almost around. put that out of my memory. I apologize, Matt, whether it was that or the fact that, uh, that Mike Bloomgren was refusing to leave the field at Jonesy Edwards Stadium unless he got that pass interference call in the second quarter. That's the, the latest <laughs> I think I've seen in the history of college football, but Mike Bloomgren was just going to stand in the 50-yard line until that, that flag was called. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So that was a good one. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, without further ado, I'm going to jump to the line of questioning. Uh, or actually, you know what? I, I, I take that back. I, I have one quick story, and, and I want to bring Joe in on this. So, you know, in this Conference USA space that we all share, we try to, you know, coordinate a little bit and share content, do each other's podcasts, help each other out, things of that nature. And uh, Matt, how would you describe it? Uh, we couldn't figure out pre, pre-taping, whether it had been a year or six months or whenever it was, but... We had a moment in which, you know, between the, the uh, you know, you having a, an illustrious Rice degree and, and myself having a, a pair of degrees, couldn't figure out whose podcast we were doing. Uh, how do you remember it? <laughs> well, uh, Mia Copa, I, I don't have a Rice degree, not actually a Rice alum, so uh, I can't yeah. even use that yeah. as, a, as a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I don't remember what it was. I, I texted you and you texted me back and we're sitting there, right, on a, I, this, was this, this might have been pre-pandemic because i don't even think it was zoom right yeah i don't know yeah. a, a phone call or a skype and i'm like all right are you gonna start and you're like no no are you gonna start and i'm like what what are we doing right now <laughs> and i thought i was underdog on underdog dynasty and you, you thought you were on the roost pod and then we laughed for a good 20 minutes and then i think this is the first time we've gone on either, either pod since and then correct and, <laughs> and, and, and joe the way he described it is exactly how it played out it was just 
all right, so like, you want to open? Hey, no, no, you want to open? And then we're like, wait a minute, we both think we're doing each other's podcast. So that, that was a, just kind of a, a funny moment. I think that, that kind of sums up 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, if, the, so if there's is, not... This is the underdog pod, right? <laughs> I'm in the right place? <laughs> yes, if there's, you know, if there's a story that sums up what it's like to be a sports writer in 2021, it's that, just not even knowing whose podcast you're doing that day. <laughs> all right, that now with that... Now, without without further ado, I'll, I'll jump to the questions. And Matt, got to start with kind of the obvious is uh, Blaze Aldridge, someone who'd been a tremendous performer in Conference USA over the past two years, someone who's from right up the road around these neck of the woods in Celebration, Florida, up there around the Orlando area, one of the top linebackers in, in his time uh, in CUSA. Just talk about that loss for a second. And was that something that, you know, maybe Rice fans saw coming, maybe the program saw coming? Or is it just kind of, you know, the rich get richer in terms of, unfortunately, nowadays with the transfer portal and the way things play out, uh, you do see a lot of the top talents, top group of five talents end up making their way to the P5 eventually. Well, I think there's there's some context and there's some nuance around Aldridge uh, moving on, ended up at, at Missouri for this year. So the first being that had there not been a, a pandemic and had the NCAA eligibility rules not been extended as they were, Last year, 2020, would have been Blaze's last season at Rice. Like, it was his senior, final season. Uh, he got a mulligan, which no one was expecting, right, like, you know, last time we talked. Um, so going into 2020, everyone thought last year was the last year of Blaze to begin with. The fact that there could have been uh, a bonus year um, was kind of icing on top. So I don't think the expectation, you know, if we go back to originally, like Blaze not being here in 2021 is not something that, you know, Rice fans, if we told them a year ago, would have been too, you know, heartbroken about. They would have obviously we'd missed him, but not an expectation. And then, actually, I got a uh, uh, word of the uh, the intake because they do all the the testing with everybody coming back to campus and in uh, I guess what January, December, whenever the new semester uh, gets rolling. And Blaze's name was still on the list, um, so it, this wasn't like a decision of I finished and I'm gone. Uh, this was something that you know. Blaze came to and made the decision to to make the move for his last year. And I, I think at Rice, there's a uh, maybe this is a Rice way of looking at it, but there is kind of a, a a stipulation that if you graduate and you get your degree and you fulfill kind of the commitment you made when you showed up, that there's some some lenience with uh, moving on and, and and going elsewhere. I think of uh, Calvin Henderson, who's a playing uh, with the Broncos right now in the NFL. He took his grad year and went to Texas and got some starting experience. So, you know, it, it, it stinks and we'll miss Blaze, but, uh, you know, obviously happy for him and, and know he's going to do big things at the next level. Sure. That's another great example you mentioned. I remember one of the the top tackles in Conference USA at the time of his departure. And he, he of course, went to Texas. And as you mentioned, now has a professional career. Want to move on to, uh, another one of the stalwarts on the defense and a guy who, quite frankly, I'm projecting has the opportunity to be, if not Rice's leading tackler among the top three, pound for pound, I think he's one of the top players in CUSA, if not all group of five football, Treshawn Chamberlain. Just talk about him a little bit. Yeah, it's a, really an interesting guy. Uh, you know, recruited as a linebacker out of out of South Carolina uh, and, and filled the Viper role on the, the Brian Smith defense, which uh, every every college, not every college defense, but you call it like the star or the joker or something like sure. that. It's, it's the, the, the tweener player who is a linebacker and a safety. Uh, and that's kind of what he is. He's a linebacker that can cover. 
um, particularly well. So he's he's not going to line up as much in between uh, the tackles where you'd see someone like you know Blazer and Antonio Montero line up. But you will if you could just kind of go watch a quarter of a, a rice football game. You'll see him at the line of scrimmage. You'll see him deep middle. You'll pl- see him playing corner cover in the slot. And he can just move everywhere as that kind of chess piece mismatch, uh, which is a luxury for any defense to have. So yeah, he's, he's going to be, again, one of the, uh, one of the difference makers for a defense that was, you know, one of the best in the country last year. Absolutely. And as Matt mentions that position, you know, like it's called Viper or star, I believe FAU calls it the owl. Treshawn Chamberlain's listed at 510 201 to kind of give you an idea of the fact that, you know, he's not only will play in coverage, but can play in the box as well. And certainly has uh, performed, been a member of an all freshman team, CUSA all, um, excuse me, the uh, coach's honorable mention as well. So certainly an excellent performer. The last full season Bryce played, he had 64 tackles. Uh, want to talk about the offensive side of the football here for a second. And a guy who opted out of last year, Brad Rosner, and another player who emerged, quite frankly, due to the fact that he opted out, and Jake Bailey. Can you just talk about that duel for a second? And then also talk about Rosner's return. When Brad Rosner last took the field in 2020, he was one of the top receivers as far as uh, yards and yards per catch in CUSA. Yeah, I think and every story with, with opt-outs is different, right? And, and that you, you all know that covering CUSA as, as well as anybody. But uh, Rosner actually had a, an injury uh, in the, like, pre-fall camp. Um, I don't even know, what was that, September? Something like that, whenever it was getting rolling. And so it was a situation where he wasn't going to play last fall. Um, so his opt-out, um, you know, was just kind of injury-related. He just got hurt in the season is really what it amounted to. But uh, getting, I tell you what, getting to uh, attend spring practice and see him in a Rice jersey catching passes again, that that was a very happy moment <laughs> in the midst of everything. And uh, so he's he's just as good as he was. He's going to be one of the best down for, downfield threats uh, in Conference USA, again, with his size. Uh, and then Jake Bailey was a guy. There was one point last year, early November when, or mid-November when Rice was wrapping up its season, Jake Bailey was the only healthy scholarship wide receiver on the field for Rice uh, during practices. And, and he got hurt, uh, not, not severely, but nicked up a little bit going into the final game that Rice played. And so Rice had zero truly healthy scholarship wide receivers when they finished the season. Uh, so having Bailey there, having Rosner, uh, having a whole host of guys back, watching 10 different people catch passes during practice, um, th- that's going to be the biggest boon for the Rice offense, if anything else, just getting everyone on the field. Yeah, and forgive me, I misspoke. I said last time Rosner played was 2020, of course. It was the 2019 season, which he had 55 grabs for 770 yards and five touchdowns, a big target, 6'5", 195. So still kind of keeping in that, you know, kind of duo for Rice where they got the big target in Rosner. And, of course, with Austin Trammell's graduation, Jake Bailey's still a uh, kind of the, the smaller receiver at 5'10", buck 85. Let's talk about who's going to be throwing these guys the ball because it, as it seems for Rice, and quite frankly, in my opinion, I've been very vocal about this and is that, if Mike Bloomgren is able to get the quarterback situation straightened out, you know, Rice is a bowl team. Quite frankly, you can make the argument that they would have been a bowl team in the past two years. At least the win total would have been a little bit higher had they not been so dependent upon getting a guy from the transfer portal and hoping that he can kind of be a one-year fix. So just talk about the quarterback battle. We saw Giovanni Johnson start the uh, Marshall game, a game that Rice upset, I believe at the time, a top 15 team in Marshall. I think they were ranked 14th in the nation. 
And then they also get a transfer from Weber State. Uh, just talk about, you know, kind of the quarterback situation there for a minute. Yeah, I, I, this is a, a broken record. I, I feel like I could lose track of time here because we've had the same conversation on, on either, either in person in media days or press boxes or, or what have you, but it's the, the, the rotating door at quarterback for Rice. Um, Jake Constantine, he's the guy you mentioned that they brought in from, from Weaver State. Um, won two conference titles there, uh, has a pretty good arm. Uh, they have Giovanni Johnson in the room, Wiley Green, who started, uh, actually probably has more starting experience at the uh, Division One level than anyone on the Rice roster right now. Uh, he's back in the mix. They got T.J. McMahon, who's a JUCO guy, um, that's taken some reps. Uh, and I can tell you this, I, I, every guy in the quarterback room, those four guys have taken reps with the first team this spring. Um, there is not going to be a starter uh, anointed that we're recording this right before the spring game. Uh, there's not going to be a, a, a starter named uh, this spring. We're going to go into the fall. Uh, stop me if you heard, heard this before. We're going to go into the fall with a quarterback battle for Rice and uh, hoping that somebody takes the job out of the gate. And, and I don't know who that's going to be, um, tr- truthfully, which is kind of frustrating because, like you mentioned, and I think what we, we got teased with Mike Collins last year uh, his his play was was phenomenal. Was leading Conference USA and in, in most passing statistics through his first three games, and then he got hurt and, and was out for the season. And uh, man, just you know, one of those college football what have you. If, if Mike Collins is here and is healthy, he's probably the best quarterback on on this team, and and maybe one of the top two or three in the conference. Hey Matt, uh, two part question here. Two part. You made one statement, one question. One, did Mike Collins just choose to graduate? Because that actually surprised me when I when I saw, um, you know, the roster for twenty twenty one. Because I, I obviously players had a chance to take advantage of the extra year. Did he just choose to to graduate and you know finish playing football? The I, I you know I'm not too privy to the details of how that transpired. It was uh, one day he was uh, healthy and finishing the North Texas game, and then it was announced he had an injury and would be out for the rest of the season. So that's that's the last thing Rice has officially said on the matter. So. Uh, I, I had been told that he was on campus at one point, so he hasn't fallen off the map and disappeared completely, but uh, he's he's not in the plans uh, to be available for, for Rice this fall. All right, well, that, that uh, answers that one. Then the second part is you mentioned the other quarterbacks there, and, and I, I'm, I'm kind of putting you in a tough spot because I'm asking you to kind of, you know, play Mike Bloomgren and, you know, Joe will talk about new offense coordinator Marcus Tuiasasopo here. I had a chance to see Wiley Green's first career start at FIU, uh, I believe it was the 2018 season, if memory serves me correct. And yeah, it was a tough game. You know, Rice certainly was not at the, the, the talent level to really match with FIU at that time. But he's certainly a competitor. And, and like you mentioned, he may have the most starting experience. But the, the question I kind of have for you, just piggybacking off, you know, your initial analysis of the quarterback situation is, do you think that you can legitimately, and obviously, you know, that may just be the company line coming out of Rice that it's going to be open with four guys. I saw that at FIU this past season. Granted, of course, there's a pandemic, which made things, you know, significantly difficult as far as quarterbacks get reps. But if you're going to go into the fall, you're only going to have X amount of time to continuously yeah. rotate multiple quarterbacks. And then at a certain point in time, you got to prep some guy to be the starter. So I, I know I'm asking you to play Mike Bloomgren and Marcus Tuiasasopo, but do you honestly think that they can have a, a four or even a three-man race legitimately in the fall? So they've done three-man races before. They did it the first year that, that Bloomgren is here with uh, Jackson Tyner, um, 
Sam Glaceman was in the mix at one point before Evan Marshman, Wiley Green. They've done four-man battles. Um, and that's one of the things that it starts as four in week one of camp, and then by week three, we're down to two, right? Like, it's not like a, everyone gets starting reps the whole time. Um, and, and I will say last year, I felt it was the company line. Like, it was Mike Collins and Giovanni Johnson, but there was no point during the spring or during the fall that I thought Giovanni Johnson was going to be the starting quarterback at Rice. Um, I thought it was – and that's not a knock on Giovanni. That's, that's how good Mike, Mike was. Um, and him this, – this year, it, it's kind of different because – Constantine, um, you know, he has he has the most, uh, you know, college football experience, has, has played and won a lot of good fo- football games, but he's brand new to Rice's, like, pro-style, uh, very complicated system with a lot of checks. Um, so there's, there's that. Uh, Giovanni, most athletic out of the group, um, but, you know, his confidence, he hasn't been a guy in his career yet that has really been able to throw the ball downfield with accuracy. Uh, and then Wiley – you know, knows the right system better than anybody else on campus right now, you know, maybe better than some of the new coaches that brought in. Um, but his decision-making under pressure has been something that's kept him buried down the depth chart. And so each, each guy has an area where you're like, I really like this and I really don't like that. And so that's why I really do think like you're looking at a three-man race going into the fall. It'll probably trim down to two, um, but it's, it's going to be, you know, not just coach speak. It's going to be an actual battle. Last one here for you, one, or, or, or actually, you know, I'll, I'll have another one after this, but I want to ask you about the, the running backs. You know, anyone who knows Mike Bloomgren knows that he's going to put an emphasis on playing physical football and is going to look to run the football. When you look at the running backs last year, as far as the production with Kylan Griffin and uh, Ottaviano, Juma Ottaviano, it, it wasn't exactly, you know, in terms of yards per carry, wasn't exactly dynamic. I mean, it definitely was efficient in that, hey, you know, again, Rice is going to look to pound the football, but for Griffin, 72 carries for 249 yards and uh, no, no scores. Uh, excuse me, looking here, no. Yeah, it actually kind of surprised me. Sorry for stumbling through the question. The fact that Rice did not get a rushing touchdown from running back last year in, in five games. So that just is a shot considering the brand of football that Rice plays. But uh, just talk about the running backs for a second and, and what you're kind of expecting in 2021. Yeah, so there is some nuance in there. Rice had one rushing touchdown last year, uh, and it was from Jordan Myers, right? who was listed officially as a tight end, but uh, – uh, kind of a uh, you know a lab project for for the spring as he's moved over to running back. Oh, okay. Uh, he was okay. he was the short yardage like goal line guy last year and it has some running back uh, experience in his past and and really Rice left this last recruiting cycle and, and what Mike Bloomgren ha- has had in the past is if you're going to run the football you need somebody you know that can put a shoulder down and, and go through people um, and what what they had Kalen Griffin. Um, can run through people, um, but you know, five ten, two ten, or five 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 ten, two ten, two fifteen, a um, little bit smaller. Juma, um, not not somebody who's going to run you over, um, but uh, with with Jordan Myers, you're looking at a guy who's six two, two twenty. Like that's the uh, run between the tackles and pick up yards. So that's going to be one of the answers to you know the inefficiency running the ball uh, last year. I think the offensive line and getting, um, you know, converted, you know, power, power lifter, uh, defensive tackle to offensive lineman, Isaiah Floyd, uh, you know, another 300-pound guy in the middle of the line, that's going to help. Um, and then getting people healthy, you know, Juma has been in and out of the lineup, and, and you know, hopefully having some other people to help take those carries will help. So I think there's a couple, a couple different wrinkles that they'll have in this year to kind of help ease that burden. 
All right, I know I teased it, but I'm going to make it official here. Here's going to be the last one before I send it over to Joe for his line of questioning. Can you just bring us up to speed with just the the state of Rice's facilities? Uh, I kind of find the state of athletic facilities, whether it be a stadiums or just the actual training facilities across Conference USA, one that's pretty interesting. You look here in the Sunshine State, FAU, quite frankly, they may be the leader in the clubhouse. You know, we'll have to see what happens with UAB and their new stadium that's projected to be, you know, certainly one of the crown jewels of the conference. But FAU, whether it's FAU Stadium and then the Smith Athletic Complex, really top of the line in terms of G5 football. We all know the situation with Rice Stadium being one of the older facilities, but you just talk about, you know, what the plans may be for the future and then also just the the training facilities there, which I believe are attached to Rice Stadium, if my memory serves me correct. Matt? Yeah, so the Patterson Center came up, oh man, I have to get the year, but it's probably uh, one of the newer, probably five or six years ago, it's it's kind of been finished, wrapped up and and put together. So that's right connected to the stadium and it's, you know, state of the art, got all the bells and whistles and, you know, with them being plugged into the uh, the Houston Medical Center, like they got everything in there for uh, for training and get people back on their feet. So that's one piece. Uh, the, the, they have a new practice bubble that they built, I guess, inflated. I guess you build bubbles. I don't know what the technical term is, but yeah, <laughs> they put that up last year, um, got that air conditioned space, which you need <laughs> in Houston to go practice inside. So they got that. And then they have Rice Stadium, uh, which, you know, probably the only conference USA stadium that's hosted a Super Bowl. So that's a, a fun fact, but that Super Bowl was Super Bowl seven eight like it's been a while um so there were plans in place and i know there still are to kind of do some renovations on that uh facility but of course you know the financial challenges that came along with the pandemic have kind of scuttled those a little bit so i'm not sure when and where but that's kind of the next nut to crack is they have the training facilities and now it's getting game day uh you know up to speed where you'd like it to be send it over to your fellow parks and rec uh fan joe lonigan right now <laughs> This is good. We'll get you up to speed. (laughs) All right. Starting with episode one, uh, when (laughs) Leslie comes to the pit. No, I'm kidding. Anyway. um, No, Matt, thank you so much. Um, But we talked about at the top of the show, like what, uh, you know, just how weird the season was for Rice football specifically. What was that experience like for you covering them, given they had so many postponements, cancellations and, and started so late in the year? I think it was most interesting because, you know, once we got to the first wave of cancellations, I actually started tracking it. And and not that you want to put, like, blame on any particular institution, but I kind of started taking notes. I'm like, okay, you know, North Texas had, you know, they had to postpone. UTEP had to postpone. UTSA was was fine. Their opponent had to postpone. You're kind of just kind of keeping score, if you will, with all of this. And and just about everybody in Conference USA – had an issue at one point where they had to be the guy to call the other team and say, hey, we can't do it. Um, and Rice was never that guy. Uh, Rice never initiated a postponement um, because of a, a COVID-19 um, case or uh, contact tracing within the Owls, uh, which I think is a, a huge testament to how rigorous they were with their protocols. Uh, but, but knowing that, it kind of made it all the more uh, of a gut punch, right? That Rice only played five games and there wasn't a situation where they were the guys that, you know, you, you messed up and you can't play. It's like they, they did everything they possibly could and only got five games in, um, which was which was pretty brutal. I was actually uh, sitting in the press box at Rice Stadium when the, the UTEP game was canceled <laughs> with, uh, this was Saturday kick at like 11, didn't happen, and 2 o'clock it, it gets cold. 
Um, and that was that was just a surreal experience because I've never gone to a stadium for a football game that was not played, even though both teams were present. So it, it was bizarre, man. I, I'm not. I'm looking forward to putting it behind us. Yeah, for sure. I think we can all agree we're looking forward to putting this like Black Mirror episode of a football season behind us. Um, <laughs> heading into uh, Mike Bloomgren's fourth season here, um, he's seven and twenty-three so far as the head coach of Rice Football. What's your assessment of his performance in that regard, given you know how closely you follow the program? Yeah, well, I, I think. So it's interesting because 2020 last year was supposed to be the year that Rice got over the hump, right? And, you know, that was supposed to be a bowl game back when there was a 12-game schedule and uh, things were expected to go as, as planned, but that didn't happen. But, you know, two and three with a win over, over Marshall, undefeated Marshall on the road, nationally ranked. I think if you can – if that doesn't count as a step forward um, – I don't know what is that. That would be a, a monumental win for every program in Conference USA um, to knock off somebody that bad, especially on the road as, as a heavy underdog without your starting quarterback, starting wide receiver, starting running back. Like <laughs> Price was so uh, had so many injuries last year, so that was a step forward. But uh, they've won five out of the last eight football games, and that includes everything that happened last year uh, with the pandemic. So if if you want signs of progress. You know, the, the company line was always, hey, it's going to take us two years. We're going to revamp the depth chart. We're going to get talent in the door, and then we're going to start winning. And the first two years, they didn't win. Um, and then the past, you know, half season and before, we've kind of seen that change. Um, you know, like we talked about, you find a quarterback, then all of a sudden, these things get a lot easier. So I, I think so far, kind of the, uh, the mission statement and the milestones that he's kind of laid out, they've been pretty much on, on track. Certainly makes sense with the uh, record or with the uh, recruiting rather that they've done uh, in the past couple of seasons now. And then they have the uh, the roster that they do. Um, what are you paying particular attention to now with spring practice underway as they prepare for season number four? Uh, well, I, I, obviously the quarterback battles is on the top of uh, of the list that we're looking at, and then I think it's interesting. You mentioned the recruiting. Three of the uh, top five rated recruiting classes that Rice has ever signed uh, were signed by Mike Bloomer in the past four seasons, um, which is a pretty good testament to that level of talent. And to that end, Blaze Aldridge is the only loss on the defense, the only guy that started last year that's that's not going to be returning. And and I'm really interested to watch, you know, guys like. Uh, Sean Fresh is a guy who who's pretty highly recruited out of Austin, who is a, you know, jack of all trades, corner return man, specialist. Um, guys that, you know, weren't playing last year because they were injured or, or, you know, getting up to speed in the middle of everything that are going to push for starting jobs because they are that talented. And I think that's kind of another proof of, of that, you know, things are going as planned because you have your starters and they're not just returning starters because they're there, but because they've earned it. So I think the depth uh, is going to be a lot better and starting to see some of those guys' names uh, on the two line that say, you know, if if so-and-so missed the game, you know, player B's going in. And I'm like, I feel pretty good about player B. And I think we might be getting to that point. So you feel like there's a significant number of incoming freshmen who can compete for starting spots right away? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of the, you know, I guess everybody's a red shirt from last year, right? <laughs> so I think uh, there's going to be a lot of guys who, who didn't really play uh, last year um, that are going to have, have opportunities as well. Eric alluded to it with the uh, new addition of offensive coordinator uh, Marquise Tuisosbo. Uh, can we expect any significant changes to the offensive system uh, under him? And you know, Eric, you can crucify me for how I pronounced his name later. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to practice that one a couple times, right? Tuisosbo. Um, Did I get that right? <laughs> Marcus Tuisosbo. There we go. There we got a winner. There we go. Right. We'll get there. But, uh, yeah, so I think full, full disclosure, I, I sat in on his uh, announcement, uh, the, the press call where Rice uh, announced it. And I, I, I had to I read this quote verbatim because I, it was pretty, pretty telling. He said, hey, we're going to run the ball. And I, I know that was kind of like um, you bring in a guy with experience uh, from the Pac-12 and the West Coast. I mean, he worked with, you know, Josh Rosen and the staff that recruited Sam Darnold and, um, was a really good quarterback himself in, in college and, you know, uh, eight years in the NFL. So he has a lot of experience in the passing game and he had a lot of, uh, you know, good ideas that he's going to bring into the room. But I, I don't think that Bloomberg would have brought him in if he's like, no, we're going five wide. <laughs> like, we're going to go North Texas. We're going to spread everybody out. So that's, that's not going to happen. Um, but I do think you're probably going to see uh, a, a couple more wrinkles, especially with, you know, we talked about all the wide receivers that are healthy now. Rice has a lot of speed and a lot of guys that you can get creative with, uh, especially with Jordan Myers moving into the backfield, uh, you know, putting him side-by-side uh, side with somebody like Jim Rotaviano um, for some two-back sets. You can get creative and do a couple different things. Um, so I think his, his influence, he's going to bring a bit more creativity uh, to the offense and, and have somebody that, you know, played quarterback and knows the position. Uh, really well to coach those guys. So I think those are the two immediate wins from, from him getting getting brought on board. Awesome. Uh, so, you know, being in Texas, I'm sure you can remember the days of uh, the Western Athletic Conference football uh, competition and that sort of thing. And now um, with that conference bringing football back sooner rather than later, possibly even uh, next season or the season after next, uh, you're going to have Abilene Christian, Lamar, Sam Houston State, Stephen F. Austin, um, and a, a host of others, but those are just some Texas schools. You know, as a Texas-based sports writer, what's your take on the imminent return of whack football? I think it's fun, right? And it's 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 going to be different than than what the whack uh, used to be. You know, the the rice days. Um, but you know, it's it's more football with uh, some rich history. So uh, it's it's funny. You know, as we record this in in March, we kind of it's been a there's been a lot of talk about the Southwestern Conference. Um, in the final four with, uh, you know, you got Arkansas and you got Houston and uh, bringing back a lot of that. So, you know, it, the old, the old, uh, old ties never die. Right. No, Matt, appreciate your time. Um, we can, uh, if you want, we can really get into the nuances of, uh, you know, Andy Dwyer's psyche and, and all the theory crafting <laughs> behind that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, or we can, we can save that for another time. Um, I, I know I'm covering from a, Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, oh boy, we're not we're not predicting another one of those, are we? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, uh, man. <laughs> now I'm just like staring off into space, like with like shell shocks, like <laughs> like PTSD flashbacks. Um, but oh well, you know what? If I have to stay 
in my office watching old football games and playing 2K for another year, I will do that for America. But anyway. Um, <laughs> a man of the people, Joe. I, I, if nothing else, I try to be that. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for your insights into uh, Rice football. Uh, for those listening, if you want, you can follow his work uh, at theroost.com and then on Twitter at at the roost um and then i know we're looking forward to big things from the rice football program in the next couple of uh seasons uh with mike bloomgren seemingly having his set up the way he wants it um and you know you know eric i don't know about you but uh, i'm just getting more and more excited for college football season every day yeah man i know the biggest thing that i'm excited for and i'm sure matt will agree as well is just a football season that there aren't, you know, the delays. And and as he said, you know, uh, I have never been a, at a stadium where a game wasn't played, but that was kind of indicative of 2020. But just a football season where teams can come in, they've got a full spring practice, they've got fall, no excuses. You know, we're not like guessing about what we're seeing from teams on the field, right? We can actually say you are what your record is, right? Like, uh, what's the Dennis Green quote? You know, they, they are who we thought they were. That's that's what I'm looking forward to getting back to, man. So no doubt about that. Yeah, I want no more Thursday phone calls where I just jump out of my skin, not knowing what's going to be on the end of the other line. <laughs> Tired of that. Awesome. Well, uh, if you want to follow Eric and myself on Twitter, it's at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore and then at Eric C. Henry underscore. And then, of course, check out at underdogdynasty.com every day for more G5 football content uh, and underdogdynasty.com, obviously. Uh, Matt, have a great rest of your day and uh, same to everyone else out there. Happy football watching. 